guys can have a seat this morning. Well, for those who don't know, my name is Rick, and um, I get to be the lead pastor here. Thank you so much. We really are uh, so grateful that you are here. We're in this brand new teaching series called Relationship Goals. This is about having healthy relationships in every area of our life. If you missed last week, if you showed up last week, I missed you because I wasn't here. Um, uh, Hopefully you didn't come. Actually, one person did come up to me and say, where were you? (laughs) Right. I'm like, oh. I'm so sorry that you missed the communication. So we didn't gather in person last week. We gathered virtually online. And so this is really the first time. I haven't seen you since last year. Oh my goodness, right? Um, but we're so, I'm so thankful that you guys are here. And we, uh, last week we still kicked off this series. We had a guest speaker, Enoch Lau. Um, he really did lay the foundation for this entire series. He, if you missed it, I'm encouraging you. Go back to our YouTube channel. Uh, go back and watch Enoch. Listen to that message because it lays the foundation for everything else that we're going to hear of the rest of these weeks ahead. Um, and, and in short, um, he let us know, he let us be aware of our greatest enemy when it comes to any relationship. And it's the person that you see every time you look in the mirror. We, we are our biggest enemy. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Today, what we're going to do is focus in on relationships, healthy relationships in the family of God or just church relationships. And since we're talking about uh, the family of God, what I want to do is I want to introduce um, you to some new church family, uh, people who have went through Discover Hope class. After they took Discover Hope class, we invited them into Discover Partnership class. Then they took Discover Partnership class. And then when they got done with Discover Partnership, where we walk through what we teach, our doctrine, our articles of faith and our unifying convictions, then we invited them to become a partner. So an elder, they, uh, an elder called them up, made an appointment, sat down with them, had a conversation, answered questions that they may have had. They shared their faith story, shared how they had given their life to Jesus, how they had been baptized. And then um, the elder would come back, report into the other elders, and then the elders would receive them. And so this morning, what um, I want to do is I want to introduce you to a few of them. First is Barbara Kingston. Um, Um, She is new to our church family, so we want to welcome Barbara, Tiffany, and Caesar Estrada. Now, if you haven't uh, met Tiffany and Caesar, you may remember little Caesar um, not too long ago getting dedicated. Well, that's this family, again, new, and we're so excited to welcome them. This is Nick and Lisa Burke. We are so grateful uh, for Nick and Lisa and coming and and, and discovering that they want to be a part of our church family. Uh, Ben Myers, who... Um, recently graduated from um, Bryant, and uh, and man, God used him. You heard his story. I don't want to get into all that, but man, it, it's just exciting to see all these new partners here. He's from Pennsylvania, and he chose to stay in Rhode Island, right? I mean, that's like, oh my gosh. Um, Patty McReading, Patty McReading, um, new. She is like all in. Um, she's gonna. She jumped into our local outreach team. She's helping us with a certain segment of that. And then we have Becky Rocchio, which we're so grateful for. And let me say this. You know, Becky. I know Becky's story, and Becky is here because somebody invited her. You see how powerful an invite is. How it can actually impact a life. So. 
we want to just pause for here for a moment. And we just want to pray for these new partners that, that they will find their fit here, that they'll find how uh, God wants them to be a part here, and that you will welcome them. So if you see any of them uh, walk up, and even if you get their names wrong or whatever, just introduce yourself. Let them know that you're glad they're here. Father, thank you for each one of these partners, uh, each one of these uh, who said that they're willing to commit with us to that great commitment, Father, to that great commandment of loving you and loving others, that they're committed to the great commission and that they're going to find their fit here. And we're praying. Some of them are still looking. Some of them are exploring. Some of them have found it. And Jesus, we're, we're asking that we will be the church family, that we will love them right where they are, that we're going to come alongside of them. We're going to help them, encourage them, pray for them. Jesus, please, we want to be the church to them that you have called us to be. Help us to do that as they find their place here among us. Thank you for these new relationships in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, so we're talking about healthy relationships, and it just begs the question in my mind, which we're honestly going to spend more of our time in this part right here. And that is, this. first the question is, who makes up the family of God? Or who makes up the church? Like, just because you come in through the doors and you sit down, that honestly doesn't make you a part of the family of God. I mean, and whether you do that for just one week or you do it for several weeks or months or even years, some people come to church for years. They go to church for years, but they're not a part of the family of God. So the question is, what makes up the family of God or the church? Well, what I want us to do is I want us to look into the scriptures to the very first time that Jesus used the word church. And let's start at that place. Now, I want to say this. For if you're watching online, if you're sitting right here in Cranston, this is going to be a different teaching than I normally bring. In fact, this whole series is going to be a little different than I normally bring because we're going to be scouring the scriptures. We're going to be, we're, you know, typically I love to just go through a book of the scriptures at a time. Like we went through the Gospel of John and was there forever, right? And um, I, that's just the way, I, that's my preference to teach through like that. But... There, uh, the biblical principles about having healthy relationships and, he- and to have healthy goals um, in our relationships are found throughout the scripture. So we're going to be bouncing to many different places. I don't expect you to keep up, but I do expect you to write down the references. When I list a verse like this one right here, um, the reference will always be in the bottom to your right corner. Write that down, whether you do it through your phone or you have you know, hard copy, pen and paper. There's actually a pen in the chair if you're here. If you're at home, go find some pen and paper. Um, I want you to write these down because I want you, I want you to go back later and read it, like be more thorough than we have time for here. Okay, so that's our challenge. Hey, it's 2024. It's a new a new way to interact in church. And so I hope that you'll engage in this way. Here's what Jesus said. The first time that Jesus brings up the word church, he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades uh, will not overpower it. First, I want us to see, I will, futuristic, what? Build my church. So he's, he's leaning towards a future starting point for the church, the, the family of God to actually start. 
But why does he say upon this rock? Well, this is in response to um, Jesus asking the disciples, hey, who are they saying that I am? Jesus is like saying this towards the end of his time with the disciples. And as he says that, Peter says, well, some people are saying this and some people are saying that. And then Jesus looks Peter dead in the eyes, right? I mean, just like lock in eyeball to eyeball, right? And he says, but who do you say, Peter, that I am? Right. Here's his here's Peter's response. You are the Messiah. The son of the living God. And that is the rock that Jesus says that. And that's what I'm building my church on, on that very thing right there, on the fact that I that Jesus, the Messiah, you know how we know that? Because Paul and Peter, both in other places in the scripture in Ephesians and in first Peter, um, they say that Jesus is the cornerstone They say that he is the rock. There's this theme in the Old Testament that God is our rock. Well, the New Testament writers carry it through saying that Jesus is the rock, saying that he is the foundation. And that's what the church is built upon. So when Peter said that, he's like, you're right. And I'm going to build my church upon that truth right there that I'm the Messiah. And then what happens? Remember, after the resurrection, Jesus stays around. He shows himself. He teaches. We talked about that. He ate fish with the disciples. But then, you know what he does at one point? At one point, he tells the disciples, he says, you go back to Jerusalem. This is Acts 1. And, and, and you stay there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you're going to have the power to be my witnesses. To start building my church. So, that's exactly what they do. The disciples, they go back to Jerusalem. They're waiting. And there, um, the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Because remember, we talked about this when, in the Gospel of John. That the Holy Spirit came at that point to live inside. To live inside of believers. People who said that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the festival of Pentecost, which means every Jewish person is coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And as they come back to celebrate this festival, I mean, they're coming from every country, from every dialect that's had, that, that there were, was in that time. But because they're Jewish, they're coming back to Jerusalem. And as they come back in Jerusalem, Peter stands up and he gets to this large crowd and he starts teaching. And here's what he says. He says, repent, be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Peter is doing is if you say he's saying, if you want the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you, you need to repent, repent of what repent of the of your sin, acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And that's what Jesus is. That's why Jesus is the Messiah, the savior of the world, because we needed To repent, we needed to acknowledge that we have sinned. And it keeps us separated from this holy God that we just sung about. Well, 
Peter would not just use this phrase. I mean, what, what um, Luke, uh, who wrote Acts, what he goes on to say in Acts 2.40, he says, with many other words that Peter testified strongly and he urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Like this, the culture that we're living in so sucks the life out of us as Christ followers. But he's like, be, you're not going to find it there. You've got to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from condemnation of our sin. And he's calling them to do this. And look what happens. They give their life. They surrender. They repent. They turn from. And only God can cause somebody to repent. Only God can show us our need to repent. And when he does it, man, it, it is so like my, it's like you, it's so eye opening. That's what it is. Cause you see all of this mess and you're like, Oh, I need, I need you, God. Well, so literally thousands, thousands of people gave their life to Jesus. They repented. The Holy Spirit came upon them and look what happens. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, well, well yeah, let's stop right there. Um, the, the church, they, they, the, the, uh, these people who had given their life to Jesus, they were all praising God. And guess what? They enjoyed each other's company. Even though they were from different backgrounds. Because they had showed up from different countries. They had, their common link was Jewish. Now they come, they give their life to Jesus, and now Jesus, the Messiah, brings them to be like a family. They're enjoying their favor. And then, notice this, every day the Lord added to their number, to the number of the ecclesia, the number of the church, the assembly, to their number, those who were being saved. I bolded, the Lord added, because guess what? I know that some people think that it's my job to add to the church. It's not. Some people think it's our pastoral uh, staff team to add to the church. It's not. Some people think it's the elder's job to add to the No, it's the Lord's job to add to the church because only He can save anybody. We can't save anyone. We can't make them aware of their sin. All we can do is do what Peter did, stand up and declare the message. And that's what we try to do, is to declare the message. And then we pray like crazy, God, please show people their need for you in their life and save them. Now, when Jesus uses the word church in the, in the Greek, and the even reason why we even do this is because do you, some of you maybe don't realize that the original uh, scriptures were written in Greek. In the New Testament, it was Greek. Why? Because that was the common language of the people. And he wanted to have God's word in the common language of the people. It was like, it was like the known language that everybody picked up on, even though they, had, um, they knew their own language. So, in the Greek, the Greek word for ekklesia, or, or, I mean for church, is ekklesia, which means assembly. So when the Greek person would say ekklesia, they just mean the assembly, the, you know, a, a gathering of people. But when Jesus would use this word, and when the apostles would use this word, they would mean it not just an assembly, like, hey, I'm a part of the condo association. We're an assembly, right? I'm a part of, it's spirit week at school. We're all going to gather and have an assembly. And we're going to go, you know, go Titans, or, you know, go Thunderbolts, or go, you know, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're rallying around. But that's not the type of assembly that when you see the word church, it had a much fuller meaning. It meant also the called out ones. 
This is why, as we read through some of the rest of these scriptures, you're going to see your calling, called. You're going to see that word called. Why? Because he's talking to the church, the assembly, those who have been called out, those meaning those who have repented of their sin, those who have acknowledged that they needed a savior in their life. That's what we're going to see. In fact, this was so, the church was so important to Jesus that the Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Did you hear that? As he loved the church. When you hear church, don't think building, don't think structure, don't think add-on and how long is it going to add-on. I'll get into that another time. But think something out. Think people. That's he think the think about the assembly of the called out ones, the ones who have repented. That's who he gave his life for. He gave himself for her, the church, the assembly, the called out ones, the people. When we it's so hard for us in the Western world when we hear the word church to think people. We think building, we think address, we think eleven fourteen Situate Avenue, right? We think um, a structure. But in the New Testament, they were thinking the people. It was about the people. And so, I challenge you, as we look, have in your mind, look how important the church, the people, you are to God. That, he, that Jesus would love the church, that he gave himself for it to make her, what? Holy. He gave himself so that you and I could be holy. That's that whole repenting part. Repenting of our sin. Acknowledging that we are. That we need a washing. Cleansing her, the church, you and I. Cleansing us with the washing of the water by the word. He did this. Why did he do this? To present the church, the assembly, the called out ones to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. This is who you are to God if you have repented. If you have, in the name of Jesus, been baptized. This is, you are a part of the family of God. This is who He's talking to. And you're holy. This is why we have such a high view of God. We, we are a God-centric church here. Because of the love and who Jesus is. So the family of God or the church are those who are being called out. Or those who have repented of their sins, baptized in the name of Jesus, trusting in the redemptive work of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this begs this question. Are you a part of the family of God? You're not apart just because you come through the door week after week or month after month or year after year. You're apart because of a decision, a choice that you have made about who Jesus is, like Peter had to. Have you confessed that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he died and rose again to give you victory over death? Victory over death. Sin. If you have received that, then, yes, you are a part of the family of God. If you haven't, then even though you come here, you're not. Even though you join us online, 
and watch online. And I know some of you, because of health reasons and other reasons, you just can't come here. That's okay, but you can still be a part of the family of God. You can still uh, repent. You can still be a part, even though it has to be virtually. And so can you, if you're here in the room. So, the Apostle Paul describes the church as individuals. Individual units. Individual people, um, but making up the whole. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 12. He uses the human body as this example. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. So here's how I want to illustrate this to you. Remember the old-fashioned pocket watches, right? You go look inside of it, there's a thousand different pieces inside one of those old-fashioned pocket watches, right? But it takes every one of these pieces, it takes every one of them to actually make that pocket watch work and be purposeful. Like without, without the spring or without that screw, right? Yeah, and I know some of us feel like we're a loose screw, right? Some, or we've lost a few screws. But, but you're still a part. If it, you, you are still a part so that, of right here at Hope Church, so that we can be the church that God has called us to be. This is so important. And it doesn't matter where you come from. Paul said that. Look in verse 13 of the same chapter. Some of us are Jews. Paul says, to, to, to the called out ones, to the assembly. He says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles. That's any other ethnicity other than Jewish, okay? So if you're any ethnicity whatsoever, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. This is the family of God, those of us who have one Lord, one Spirit, been baptized by one Spirit. Paul goes on in verse 18. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts, whether it's the big gear, the small gear, whether it's that little tiny screw, the spring, um, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as He wanted. You... Make up this local assembly. And God has a place here for you. You are wanted here by God. You are wanted here by our church. You are wanted. You're a part. He, and he would go on to say in verse 27, Now, meaning like right now, not futuristic, not sometime in the future. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. That's who you are. My question for you, whether you're online or whether you're right here, do you have your part? What is your part? What part are you fulfilling? Like, what, are you the little spring? Are you the big spring? Are you the big gear, the small gear? Are you the screw that just holds everything together? You know, what's your part? Because you have a part here. As we move forward on Super Bowl Sunday, on February the 11th, and we add another service. Why are we adding another service? Because we have a big, strong, huge commitment to the Great Commission. And part of the Great Commission isn't, it is going globally, but it's not just globally, it's locally. We need to add more chairs so that you can invite more people so that they can become a part of the family of God as God shows them their need. 
And he adds them to the church. And you know the best way to do that? You know what? The, 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 uh, I'm going to say it anyway. The cheapest way. Uh, I know that sounds horrible. But the cheapest way to add more seats is to add another service. Not to uh, build out a bigger auditorium. At least not right now. And so we have chosen, and it's the quickest way. We have a sense of urgency that here in the state of Rhode Island, there are people, your neighbors, they don't know Jesus. The people that you work with, they don't know Jesus. And God's called you to go be a light in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and at the appropriate time, invite them to come to church with you. And we need more seats to do that. And as we create another service, that creates so many more opportunities for you to find your part. So if you're not serving, I'm asking you, will you truly consider asking yourself, what part of the family, what part of the church are you going to be so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has called us to be the church right here? So, as we do this, the Apostle Paul gives us some relationship goals as we work together as one body. Because guess what? When you walk into the team that you're going to serve on, when you go into your small group, when you just show up here and sit next to somebody, sometimes personalities rub off. They hit you the wrong way. Right? Come on, let's be honest. You, that's why some of you sit on the side of the church that you sit on because the person that annoys you sits on the opposite and you're making sure where you sit. You know, come on. This is church. We can be honest. We're going to rub each other the wrong way. And when that happens, how do we handle it? How do we show up in that relationship? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul, relationship goals. Here we go. For by the grace given to me, he's telling the church in Rome, uh, the, the assembly, the called out ones. He, he says, uh, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone, not just some of those in the church, not just the leaders in the church, everybody who considers them a part of the assembly, they called out one in the church of Rome. He says, he says, I'm telling you, I'm telling every one of you among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. You're like, I would never say that. Not out loud. But you think it. Come on, right? Here's how you think it. You size them up on the way that they dress. Some of you have sized me up already. You're like, I don't believe that you're wearing like tennis shoes or sneakers is the way people in Rhode Island call them. I don't believe you're wearing that to church on a Sunday. <gasps> right? Let's be honest. And yeah, I've never said this. Do you know why I, I, had, to, I had to switch that way? I tore, um, I, I tore my Achilles that wraps around my heel. And these uh, Asics are the only shoes that I can wear that where that pain doesn't make my foot by the end of the day just go boom, boom, boom. And I went to PT. I did everything I was supposed to do except for having surgery. I'm trying not to do surgery. So that's why I wear tennis shoes on Sunday. But that bugs some of you. Right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. 
some, some of you, some, I rub some of you the wrong way every time I talk about Texas Roadhouse. You know why? Because you're a vegan. Right? I don't believe he eats meat. Is there any other way? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. The, other, the foot goes on the, you know, for me as well. Just, just because you are a vegan doesn't mean that I should think of myself more highly. I know the better way. I'm, right? I'm serious. It goes both ways. And when you show up to serve on a ministry team, there are going to be comments that are said. A relationship goal that we should have in 2024 is to show up and immediately think. When, when that person just rubs us the wrong way with whatever it is, I can't think of myself more highly than them. Because that's a relationship goal that the Apostle Paul gave the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, and and we'll be done with this, I hope. Therefore, uh, the prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of your calling. What calling? The calling to follow Jesus. The calling to live out, to be a part of the assembly. The called out ones. This is who he's writing to, the church. He tells you, if you're going to walk worthy of the calling that you have been called out of, and two, you've got to do it with humility. Here's a goal. When you show up into your small group, you show up with a humility. You know what that means? That means we're putting our pride to the side. I know that you think that you are the one who votes, the, uh, uh, you're the only one who votes the right way. Right? You do. You, but you're called to show up into your group, in your small group, or into your, in your ministry team, and you're supposed to have a humility as a part of the family of God. And you need to, you need to just entertain the thought, you may not be right. That's what this means. There's a possibility, even if it's only a 99.99999% of a chance that you could be wrong. Even, you still need to show up. He's telling you, show up with humility. Show up with a gentleness. So many times, we just, we're just like, how can, you, how can you even call yourself a Christian? You voted like that? You like that person? Oh my gosh. And you... Relationship goal for the church people, for the church family, humility, gentleness, patience. Hey, just hold on. Patience. This year is an election year. Right? We all know that. And everyone from CNN to Fox News and everybody in between, what they've all said, this is going to be the most divisive political year ever. But you know what should not happen? It should not be the most divisive year in the year of God's family. So church, I'm asking you that no matter how you vote and how strong your opinions are politically, I'm not asking you to change that. I'm asking you to follow the rules of the Apostle Paul, given to him by the Holy Spirit of God, ultimately from God, to show up in those conversations with humility, to show up with a gentleness, 
to show up with a patience, bearing with one another. That means you're bearing, bearing with one another in love. That love is, that God's love is what permeates. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. Because love is the end goal. Love is, Jesus said this, this is how they're going to know that you're my disciples is by how you love each other. Not how you trash talk each other at your workplace. You won't believe what this person showed up at my church wearing. Right? No, that's not what's going to help. What's going to help is when you just bear with one another. We're, oh, I'm in this. It's heavy. Yes. Is it heavy? Yeah. Bear. It does, it's not easy. Because it goes against you know, your opinions and what you think. But bear one another in love. Making every... Here's the hard work. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. This is different than the unity of your sports team. This is a whole nother call. He called he, to keep the unity. We have to work hard to keep the unity. The unity of who God is. He's our, he's our heavenly father. That's how the model prayer is prayed, right? Our heavenly father, which art in heaven, hallowed is your name. He's our heavenly father. We are called to work hard, to make every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is only one body and one Spirit just as you were called, right? As you were called out to be a part of the family of God, part of the assembly. You, um, as you were called out to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's Jesus Christ that unites us all together. And this is why we are a Jesus-centered. This is why we are a God-centered church. It's for these very reasons right here. We have a high value of who God is. We have a high view of who God is. And because of that, we have a high view of you and you and you and you and you. We have a high view for others. We are going to choose to show honor. We're going to choose to respect this is the way that God has called us to do this. Relationship goals, we've got to make allowance for each other. We have to make allowances for each other's faults. If you are newer to this church, ask anybody who's been here for 10 or 15 years or longer. I've been here for 25 years. You ask them, has Rick ever offended you? They're going to be like, oh, let me pull out my list. Right? <laughs> I'm going to offend you. And here's my heart. Even just recently, I have offended some people. And I've already went to them. I, I, I wholeheartedly apologize to them. It wasn't meant to hurt. Decisions that were made, it wasn't meant to leave you know, people out. But I, I because I'm human... Because I'm still sinful. I'm not going to get it right every time. And to our new family partners, we're so glad that you're coming, but I'm going to offend you at some point in the next coming years. 
And you know what? You are going to offend somebody as well. Somebody's going to offend you. That person sitting next to you, make an allowance for their faults. That's what Paul tells us to do. And then he says, forgive. We've got to forgive them. Why? Because I've been forgiven and you have been forgiven by Jesus. That's what he said. I didn't say this. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. It's not an option. Must. This, these, these are healthy relationship goals for our church family this coming year. So let's do it, Hope Church. We can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So let's just go right to our next steps. Um, Will you take out the connection card? It's right in, in the chair in front of you. Just reach up, grab that connection card. Pull that out. The first next step says this. I will ask the Holy Spirit to help me to see the areas I can better create biblical unity in our church family. I, this is, man, like sign me up for this, please. I need to get better at this. And so we want to pray for you because you have a part. So will you let us pray for you by name that God's going to show you by the Holy Spirit how you can help create better biblical unity right so that's step number one just put your name on the front of that card on the back circle step number one step number two says this i have a pride issue i catch myself often thinking critically or just wrong about others pray that jesus will transform my pride as i confess it so that i can have a healthy relationship in all areas of my life do you, like, does your pride get in the way? Well, we want to pray for you. I know it gives, we all have a level of pride in our life. We all do. Many times it just trips us up. And we want to pray for you. So, let us know uh, your name. The last, uh, next step, step number three, circle step number three, this is where you are. I want to be an active part of the church family. And I need help finding my place, where to serve, you would welcome a call, cause, and we would love to give you one. Um, put your name on there and your phone number. Please write it legibly so that we can read it. And if you do, I promise you, this week you're going to get a call from somebody from our team. And we'll just explain to you the 50-plus areas where you, uh, you know, and this isn't a call for, like, every, we're not asking everybody to be a teacher. No, there are, uh, from first impressions to just helping get coffee ready and, or cleaning up the coffee, you know, getting all that stuff. I mean, there's a, 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 just a myriad of ways that it makes, that it takes to make the church be the church. So we're asking you, if you're not already serving somewhere, won't you jump in? Won't you be a part of the family of God? Father, please come and do what only you can do in our church. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand right where you are. If you're online, stand. Even if you're watching at home, stand up wherever you are. If you're in Starbucks, I know it's going to feel weird. Stand. No, I'm. But listen, this song, I'm asking us to pray this next song. It's a very short song. It's a song. I've been here 25 years. I came as the youth pastor 25 years ago. And when I came, I remember Pastor Dave, I thought he made this song up. I was just like, where did you get this song? And he would make us, Pastor Dave is the founding pastor of this church. 
he would make us stand in a circle on the perimeter of the room and we'd have to hold hands with somebody, right? And my kids are like, ah, right? We're not going to hold hands, all right? But, but I am asking you, this song has a powerful message. It's called Bind Us Together. Bind us together. One heart, one Lord. Because that's what Jesus does. And may this year, in 2024, may He bind us together. May we be so committed to being the church, living out the church, living by these healthy relationship goals. May it transform the entire state of Rhode Island. So let's see.